Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast. Today's Monday, February 15th, 2021. I hope you all had a great weekend. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Miriam Pinellas to discuss acupuncture and herbal medicine. Miriam is a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine practicing at Conscious Health and Wellness in Cedarhurst, New York. She's also a doula. This is a really interesting topic and one that is new for me as well. I know that I learned a lot from speaking with Miriam. So if you don't know much about acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, or if you do find it fascinating, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this podcast. Okay, so this Thursday, we're going to be dropping our first high-risk birth stories podcast. I'm going to be joined by Dr. Dina Blanchard. Dina is a pediatrician in New York City, and she will be telling her own story about postpartum anxiety and making change. Since this is a new podcast, to listen to it on Thursday, make sure to go on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to High Risk Birth Stories. If you forget and accidentally tune into the Healthful Woman podcast on Thursday, all you're going to hear is a short recording of me reminding you to go to the new podcast. Next week, and then moving forward, at least for the time being, our plan is to drop a Healthful Woman podcast every Monday and then a high-risk birth story every Thursday. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Hope to see you all this Thursday for high-risk birth stories. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Healthful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. All right, we're here with Marion Pinellas, who is at Conscious Health and Wellness in Cedarhurst, New York. Miriam, welcome to the Healthful Woman podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is our round two. We had some technical difficulties, but now we're rolling, so it's all good. And uh, we're definitely going to talk about uh, acupuncture and herbal medicine and what you practice, which is fascinating and I'm really interested. But just for our listeners, can you give us a sense of, you know, how'd you get into this, where you're from? What's what's your story? I grew up in Long Island, New York. In high school, I knew I wanted to be in the healing profession and work with people. And so I studied psychology at the University of Pennsylvania with the hopes of becoming a therapist. And uh, after college, I went and took a break and studied and traveled in Israel a little bit. And there I met some really wonderful doctors who were involved with natural medicine, holistic medicine, and it really opened my eyes to a new world of healing and a way of helping people. And then when I returned to the States, a friend of mine was having acupuncture to help her morning sickness, and she was really enjoying it, and, and she said, I had to try it, and so I did. And my first visit with an acupuncturist was so moving and inspiring that I changed gears that same week. And I ended up applying to uh, Chinese medicine graduate school instead of psychology. And that is that is how it all began. How does one get, I guess, certified in acupuncture? Is it is it a course? Is it a, a whole program? How does it work in the U.S. at least? Sure. Great question. You know, originally it started out as a four year degree a four-year combined bachelor's and master's degree. So a person can choose to study either just acupuncture or study acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine. Chinese medicine is comprised of multiple modalities, acupuncture and herbal medicine being the main components, at least in this country. There are some other aspects which involve diet, nutrition, and meditation, 
but what we study primarily at school is the acupuncture and herbal component. And then there was an additional one to two years doctorate degree, which I completed after a few years in practice. The degree is changing, and so it, it is transforming from the master's into the doctorate. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's very state by state. So in some states on the West Coast, a practitioner must be trained in both acupuncture and herbs to get board certified. And um, in New York now, I believe it can just be one of the, you know, just acupuncture. So you did this after you finished your bachelor's at Penn, right? Correct. So was it just, was it still four years or was it just like the master's component? Yes, it was a four-year master's. Wow. Yeah, it's a four-year master's degree. And so when I was, when I started it, you know, there was a lot of conversation back then trying to get the degree transformed into a doctorate considering the amount of work we were doing. We were being trained in both uh, Western and Eastern medicine. And so that that change happened, I think, about four years ago. Wow. And so when you're doing this, who is it that's teaching you? Is it people who are like originally Chinese practitioners who came to the U.S. and teach it? Or is it people who are sort of American born who learned it and then teach it to you? Or is it a combination? How does that work? It's a combination. You know, back in the 70s when it was just beginning to be taught in this country, I think it was mostly Americans who had traveled abroad and had begun teaching. Um, right now, I know when I was in school, it was, a, it was a combination of both Chinese and American practitioners and doctors. And that's really wonderful because we get exposed to a, little, a lot of different ways of practicing this medicine. And the backgrounds of our teachers varied as well. So we had a lot of doctors from China who were practicing there. And then the American practitioners were either people who began in Chinese medicine or or also began in chiropractic or physical therapy or massage therapy and then went on to become uh, Chinese medicine doctors. Right. And then you also, you left out in your your history your time as a doula. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. So (laughs) how did... How did, where, right. where did that come into play? Right. You know, thank you for bringing that up because that is significant because I really, my time as a doula really inspired me to focus on women's health. I trained as a doula, to be a doula while I was in Chinese medicine school. I had, a, you know, I had some free time. And so I trained uh, with a hospital in Baltimore. I was in Baltimore at the time and I became a doula and I was working part-time as a doula while in school and got to work with some really amazing women and you know see birth even meet you yeah that was that was crazy for our listeners when the the way Miriam and I got connected now is a mutual friend of ours said oh you know Nady you should you should have Miriam on your podcast you want to talk about you know acupuncture and herbal medicine and I think you're really you know like speaking to her and I think your listeners like it so you know I said okay great so we emailed and I spoke to you and I remember saying have we met? Like your name is so familiar. It was, and then we worked out that we were at a birth together, you know, 10 years ago, essentially, which was awesome. Yeah. It was a twin labor. It lasted like, you know, four days or whatever it was. And Silverstein ended up delivering the twins. And I said, that probably drove you out of the doula work forever. But yeah, and here we are together again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, know, and, no mass, um, you tapped out of doula work. I can't do this anymore. It's too long. I did. <laughs> I did. The hours were very, were, were a bit crazy. Chinese medicine really became my passion. And so I had to let go of that. But I do continue to work with pregnant women throughout pregnancies and, and supporting them and helping them get ready for labor and then as needed to help them afterwards. And, you know, I'd love to talk more about how I do that. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, acupuncture is used for so many things nowadays. And if you, you know, people think it's really just, you know, headaches and back pain and, you know, maybe relaxation, but there's so many pregnant women who use acupuncture. And that's a fascinating topic for what things that you found that, you know, that it's helpful for, what things it's not. And so we'll definitely get into that. When you were training, are there different, I know there are different styles of acupuncture. Is it pretty regimented? You know, when you go to school, they teach you a particular style or are there many options and then you sort of go off in different directions in your practice? How does how does that work? I love that question because, you know, you'll have a different experience of what acupuncture is depending on the practitioner that you go to. So in the school that I went to, we were exposed to a variety of styles of acupuncture. The style changes with many different ways. So so there's acupuncture according to the Chinese method, there's a Japanese method, there's a Korean method, and the different methods vary in in a few ways, in their methods of diagnosis, in their methods of treatment. So the arrangement of the needles, uh, the acupuncture points that are chosen, and even the needling style and the gauge of the needle. So depending on the style, you know, the Japanese are known for their very fine, fine needling, very, very thin gauge. You barely feel anything, whereas other styles are using a thicker needle and and can be felt more. Certain styles will want you to feel the effects of the needles and certain, certain styles won't. There are many different, I was exposed to multiple styles at my school and other, other schools and training grounds have, have one particular style and that's the one they, they teach. And, you know, one of my mentors while I was in school said to me, you know, you really learn a lot when you leave school. And that's the truth. When you, when a practitioner leaves school and gets exposed to other practitioners and other styles, we, you know, as acupuncturists, we tend to find a style that resonates with us, that we feel comfortable using and that we we see this, you know, the most results with and and, and choose, choose that method. And so what method do you use mostly currently? I'm using style called the balance method that was developed by my late teacher and mentor, Dr. Richard Tan, who trained as a young child in Taiwan and then went on to become an engineer, came to the States and developed this really wonderful method that achieves results within seconds of needles being inserted, which is really, really remarkable. And so that's what I use. And then for herbal medicine, I also use a very particular style that I learned from another mentor named Dr. Jimmy Chang, also from Taiwan, now residing in California, which involves a very particular style of, of diagnosis and, and combination of herbs. That's amazing. Now for, for our listeners, can just can you take a step back and take us through sort of what what exactly is acupuncture? Sort of how did it come to be? What is like the philosophy behind it and the you know, the, the science behind it and how it works. And I know, you know, this is, you could spend a year talking about this, but if you had to break it down for somebody in like a paragraph or a few, a few sentences to explain what it is, just so they, we can have a, a groundwork that we could build on. Like you said, you could talk for a year. And I think that's part of why our training is so long is because it's really, it's not so much about finding points and medicines that will fix something. It's, Chinese medicine is, is really a different perspective on the human body and on health. And so, you know, a lot of people have seen perhaps the map, the map of the acupuncture points. They've seen a picture of the body 
with needles everywhere. And, and what this is, is that the Chinese saw the human body, and a lot of ancient wisdoms do, see the human body as a microcosm of the entire world. And so by observing nature, by observing the changing of the seasons and the different temperatures and the different movements and the different textures in life, they kind of superimposed that on the human body and from that learned how the internal organs function and from that learned how to stay well and how to get the body well. And so I think we have four years of study because it takes time to really shift your perspective from a Western medical or Western viewpoint of the body into a more holistic um, Eastern. So in a couple sentences, what I, what I tell people is that what we've seen from, from Western medical research, we know that acupuncture is affecting the nervous system. We know it's having a harmonizing effect, a regulating effect on the nervous system, balancing the brain signals to the body and, and vice versa. We know that it's reducing inflammation and enhancing blood circulation. We've seen this from MRI studies. There are many different theories as to how it works to alleviate pain and, and discomfort, whether that's through an endorphin theory or a nerve block theory or a blood flow theory. But essentially, we are um, working to alleviate pain and discomfort and restore the body to its harmonious and healthy state. And are there people who would get acupuncture sort of preventatively, meaning they don't have pain, they don't have a symptom, they don't have a condition, but sort of as, you know, maintenance, like you would think, you know, exercise might be. Is acupuncture beneficial in that way? Absolutely. And so what I see more is people who come in for a specific symptom. And once that symptom resolves, we'll continue on with treatment for maintenance. So Whereas they were coming in once a week for eight weeks or 12 weeks, once they once their pain is resolved, they'll come back in maybe once a month, once every three months for maintenance and to stay well. Because, you know, all of us are exposed to, to stress every now and then and to the elements. So, yes, it is a good way to, to give the body some healing and to have a reset and what we, what we call sometimes a tune-up. Right. And from what I understand... Not all acupuncture techniques even need to involve needles, meaning some of them are just with pressure or magnets or heat. Is that is that correct or am I, am I misstating that? No, that is correct. So we can, you can affect energy flow. You can affect blood flow with things other than needles. And we use this more when we're treating children or people who are very needle phobic. Um, and so, yes, we can use magnets, uh, heat therapy, uh, acupressure, um, but that's something you would have to ask for specifically. Typically, if you you know you schedule an appointment to see an acupuncturist, you can anticipate them wanting to use needles because the needles really are more effective in most cases. Got it. And this is, I mean, we're talking about something that's been done for thousands of years, right? I mean, this is not new. This is really, this has been going on a long time. Yes. Yes. And, and what people don't know is that, yes, thousands of years. And so we, we have medical textbooks dating back that far. And that is what we're studying in school. So there's you know, thousands of years of clinical data and writings from, 
from various Chinese doctors about and their observations and their use of herbs and their use of acupuncture points. So, you know, people are very, they're wary of acupuncture for good reason. You know, it's not knowing much about it, but, but I love to, you know, I love this question and to be able to let people know that this is something that has been science and medicine for, for such a long time. Right. I mean, it's really one of the oldest procedures we know of, and it's, I mean, millions of people have it a year just in the U.S. I mean, forget about actually in China, but like in this country alone, I mean, millions of people have acupuncture a year, and I think it's quite proven to be safe and, you know, and for different people, different levels of effectiveness, but it's certainly safe. I mean, if you go to a reputable place, obviously it's clean, but it's not, the procedure itself isn't, isn't, isn't harmful or dangerous. And, and walk me through, if, if I were come in and Anne was going to come in for you know, a, a session, an initial session with you, what, what would that involve? Sure. So an initial session with me usually lasts around two hours. And in that time, we do um, a fairly thorough medical history for a person. So no matter what a person is coming in for, if it's just a neck pain or, you know, let's say some nausea, um, I'll still do a thorough history on them because every piece of information is important. And sometimes what a person thinks is not relevant to their current condition is. So we'll spend a good amount of time talking and then we'll do an assessment. And so a Chinese medicine assessment will involve, uh, doesn't involve blood tests, but does involve a little bit of a physical exam. And so their pulse will be read. And we're not just feeling for the heart rate when we do a pulse, but the Chinese pulse diagnosis is a very sophisticated diagnostic method where we assess the blood flow um, on both hands and each position where we place our fingers represents a different organ in the body. And so we can assess the state of blood flow through most limbs and organs of the body just by feeling the wrist. And based on what we feel, we'll, we'll guide our diagnosis and our treatment method. And so this is something that every patient will experience. And it's really a fascinating thing because we can even, we can tell the patient before they tell us what's going on just by feeling the pulse. So I can, I can feel if there is congestion in the nose, I can feel if there's low back pain, I can feel if there's chest pain, um, all just by feeling the radial pulse. And this is a system that my teacher, Dr. Chang, invented. In addition to the pulse diagnosis, we'll also look at a patient's tongue and we'll look at their ear because these are also a microcosm of the whole body. And so just by looking at different changes um, in color, texture, and shape of the places in the ear and the tongue, um, we also learn a lot about what's happening inside for a patient, and that will also guide our treatment. Usually, um, a blood pressure reading is taken as well. and um, once a and 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 sometimes also an abdominal exam. So we take the information from the medical history and from our assessment to come to put together a treatment plan. And then in that first visit, the patient will have will have an acupuncture treatment. And once the needles are inserted, they'll rest on the table anywhere between fifteen minutes and forty minutes. And that change in timing will really depends on the person. Some people do really well with just a 15-minute session. Some people really like to relax and sleep and, and will ask for a longer time. 
And then a person after the treatment, they'll either also take with them an herbal prescription that they'll take daily for a certain amount of time or not. And also, if your practitioner practices herbal medicine, there is also the option of not having acupuncture treatment. So for people who really are needle phobic or just not ready for that, they should know that they can also get relief um, with herbal medicine alone. Does the acupuncture session, I mean, let's say someone has no fear of needles, is it actually painful to have the needles inserted? I wouldn't say it's painful. So there's a sensitivity and a person will sometimes see, what I say is you'll feel a slight pinch or an achy sensation as the needle's inserted, and then that goes away within a few seconds. And so for the remainder of your, of your time on the table, you don't know that, you don't feel the needles in. Mm-hmm. You don't really know they're there, and people fall asleep quite easily. It depends on the, the body part. So when we're working with a body part with less flesh, let's say a finger, the person will feel the needle more. But, you know, if the needle's being inserted in the thigh or maybe in the back, you may not even know that it went in. Sometimes you don't feel anything at all. And do do people tend to notice an effect immediately or within a few hours or days or weeks? I mean, what what's typical? Obviously, I'm sure there's a range, but what do you typically, you know, tell people to expect in terms of feeling some sort of effect, positive effect? So relaxation is pretty immediate there's a really immediate effect on the nervous system. Okay. And sometimes people need a little more help getting there. And so, you know, we have different things in the room that, you know, help people open up to the treatment, such as aromatherapy and, and heat therapy, but the relaxation is pretty immediate. And then the relief should be fairly immediate as well. So the style of acupuncture that I do that I fell in love with provides relief within seconds. So whether I'm treating a headache or uh, sciatica, a person should have relief within minutes of the treatment beginning. And then what happens is uh, they'll feel it more throughout the day. And each subsequent treatment, they'll get more and more relief. Wow. So it's not something that you do. Yeah, it's not something that you do when you wait a week for it to take effect. It's immediate. Wow. And then in your, in your practice, or just in general, what conditions is it sort of most effective for and maybe what conditions are it's less effective you know what like what we say oh these are the ones where it's it's most likely to help people versus ones where it's you know we try but it's it's harder you know i'm pausing for a minute because honestly it really helps everything okay it's a matter of time (laughs) i'll take it that's fine yeah (laughs) i have to say it's more a matter of how long it takes and it's, it's about the, the, the severity of the condition and, and how long a person has had it will determine how long it takes to heal. But we really see across the board so many, so many areas of medicine where acupuncture herbal medicine is very effective. Okay, that's fine. So, so how, about, how about this? What, in your practice, what are the top things that people come to you for? Uh, like what are the things you're treating the most? I would say what I'm treating the most now is really everything in the women's health, in the spectrum of women's health um, and gynecological disorders. It's a good thing you're so on this podcast. From, All right. Yeah. We're a match. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this, you know, the, 
this started back as, you know, as a doula mm-hmm. um, and really wanting to help women. And so, so I see a lot of PMS, a lot of dysmenorrhea, supporting women with fibroids and endometriosis, I see a lot of fertility um, challenges and a lot of pregnancy, you know, various, um, various symptoms of pregnancy. And then in addition to that, I'm nowadays for sure seeing a lot, a lot of anxiety and depression. Sure. And, um, also, um, physical neck, back, joint, arthritic pains, and, um, also a lot of allergies and migraines. Wow. So that's, that's pretty wide. Obviously you do treat men when they come in, you don't throw them out. No, don't throw them out, <laughs> but they don't. Cause that, cause that may be showing, I may be showing up in a week or so. You never know. I see this guy, I think I recognize him. I'm here for my acupuncture because it sounds awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, you're up. absolutely, you're absolutely welcome. They just, the men just don't call as often. And the ones that do come have, you know, the, you know, someone else has made the appointment for them for the time. <laughs> you are, a, you are a pain in my butt and I'm sending you for acupuncture. <laughs> I I can see that happening. Absolutely. For the handful of men that do come in, I would say those men are coming in for usually neck, back pain, stress. TMJ is actually something I see a lot as well. Interesting. And TMJ pain. Yeah. Um, and, e- and even prostatitis. So this year, quite a few cases with men, for men uh, with inflammation in the prostate. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about infertility. Someone comes to you and they're having uh, fertility issues. How would acupuncture help them? Or is it more? Is it more on the herbal side? Like what? What part of it? Or is it? I assume you're going to say it's probably both. But how does that work? Yes, you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a I'm a quick usually, study. Yeah, I find both to be really effective. But it's so great to be to have the flexibility to use one over the other, depending on the patient's preference and abilities. You know, so I there are some people I treat now long distance with telemedicine, obviously just with herbs. So acupuncture can help with fertility in a few ways. One, we'll just, you know, we'll start with the emotional piece and the stress, which is a huge component of infertility and is significant. And so it will help calm anxieties um, regarding fertility and fertility treatments. And then we work in different ways. So if a person, depends on the, the diagnosis. So if there's a diagnosis of fibroids and endometriosis, that is Uh, getting in the way of conception, we will use acupuncture and herbs to shrink the tissue, the the fibroids. If they're under three to four centimeters, herbal medicine can shrink a fibroid. So we can help a person avoid surgery. And then by what we say is like we clean the field by cleaning out the reproductive system and enhancing blood flow and restoring a healthy flow. We have increased a person's, a woman's chances of conception and implantation. Some women, um, and couples have challenges, not because of a, of a blockage, but perhaps because of an irregular cycle, a short luteal phase, um, or perhaps a history of miscarriage. And so what we do is we go back to our, our diagnostic methods to, def- to find the root cause of why this is happening. Sometimes that is related to an underlying, what we call a weakness or a, a vulnerability in the woman's body. And we'll We'll use our medicine to strengthen her, to help her um, hold a pregnancy. Uh, we'll use different herbs and acupuncture to help the cycle lengthen if needed. And then if we, if we can't get to the root 
if and if all that work isn't enough and a woman does require treatment, IVF, or perhaps it's a male factor concern, then we will support her with acupuncture during the IVF treatments. And are, are these things that you learned during your four years training and in school, or is this something that you sort of learn the principles and then it's something you just apply when you go into practice? Like, were they specifically saying, all right, here's what you do for fertility? Um, yes. So it, it absolutely is something learned in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we dive much deeper afterwards. We get much more training. But there is an entire semester at school de- devoted just to um, OBGYN. And it's in that time that we do a very in-depth study of the menstrual cycle, the different phases of it, and how, where the challenges can arise and where, you know, how we can intervene to restore health. That's awesome. And then what, what about during pregnancy? What are the things in pregnancy that women tend to come to for? You mentioned before nausea, vomiting is one of them. What what else do you see? I see migraines. So what I love about acupuncture is that it, it can support a woman in pregnancy when think when when options are quite limited to her. You know, many medications over the counter are not uh, permitted in pregnancy, and it can leave a person without a lot of hope. So acupuncture is safe and effective, and there are no side effects for a pregnant woman. So I will, I've seen women, you know, I've helped women with migraines in pregnancy, with allergies and frequent colds, uh, insomnia, back pain, uh, sciatica pain, anxiety and depression, and also synthesis pubis disorder. Acupuncture is very effective for that. Oh, that's great. And then how do you get around sort of in the U.S. The, this idea of herbs in pregnancy, right? Because every all the medications that are under the FDA are very, you know, this is safe in pregnancy, this isn't, they have grades, they have scores, they have this. And I assume a lot of the herbs, there's knowledge about them, obviously, in pregnancy, but they're not mentioned as often by the FDA. So w- what do you do with that practically? You know, it, this is a challenging question. Thank you. This is a, this is um, this is a very tough podcast. We really we get down into it, you know. Not gonna get you're not gonna get off easy here. This is hard because you know, as we said, this is a thousand year old medicine, and so in in our ancient medical data, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of writings about using herbs in pregnancy, and about using them for threatened miscarriages and using them for bleeding and spotting and various things that come up in a pregnancy. But in school, you know, we're trained to be very cautious and to really not use herbal medicine in pregnancy. And so, you know, and that is related to the laws and um, in this country. And so we, as acupuncturists, we really do everything we can before we'll use herbs. We'll use acupuncture, we'll use diet modification, we'll use something called moxibustion. We'll do things we can, and then when we, we'll do the things we can, and then uh, when a person just isn't responding, you know, we will consider other things. Yeah, I mean, I have the same sort of quandary that you have. So patients will come to me sometimes and say, you know, I have A, B, and C, and I'm seeing an acupuncturist. I'll say, like, great, you know, how's it working? You know, is it helping or this? And then Occasionally, she'll say, and, you know, he or she wants me to take these herbs. What do you think? And I'm sort of in the same position. I'm like, listen, I, I don't know anything about this, right? My, my knowledge base on this is quite limited. And I say, you know, these tend to be things that people have been 
giving pregnant women for hundreds and thousands of years. So they're probably fine. I said, but I don't know anything about them. So it's hard for me to like, you know, put my stamp on it and say for sure it's okay. And I'm, I assume the people, the FDA feel the same way. They're probably like, well, what do you want us to say? Like, we don't know about this so much. And I think it's, right, right. I think women are sort of left in this, well, what do I do? Do I listen to this person or do I not take it? And I don't think there is a good answer for that. Uh, I think the stakes are probably not so high because we haven't found a lot of these herbs to be dangerous, like over the years that people have taken. But it's one of these things that's just sort of a leap, you know, women are going to have to take if they want to take these herbs in pregnancy, say, listen, it's been used and it seems to be okay, you know, in Chinese medicine. So I'll just, you know, so I'll do it. And, but they're not going to get like a seal of approval from any, you know, Western doctor or FDA because it's just, that's not how it works. Right. And I, and I want to just say to maybe alleviate some more, a little more concern is to say most of the remedies we would even consider for a pregnant woman are foods, a very popular remedy used for, for depression and for postpartum depression is comprised only of foods, but in a pill form. And that would be licorice root, uh, jujube dates, and actually wheat. And that's ground up into a pill. And that's used to treat anxiety and depression very well. So, you know, if a person is concerned, they can always ask for the ingredients. They can look them up. And and as you said, you know, make an informed decision for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think most people would feel comfortable taking things they've heard of and they could just eat and, you know, buy it Walgreens. So, you know, like in, in terms of, you know, the, 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 the components of it. So I think that that would be okay. And, and I, certainly I would be also someone said, yeah, well, my, you know, you know, my herbalist wants me to take this and it's made of these three things. I'd be like, you know, great, you know, hope it works. But it's, yeah, it's, it's those situations where it's a little bit different. But again, as you said, it's not common because most of the people practicing in the U.S. aren't going to really uh, recommend those anyways for the same the same potential concerns, particularly here. How do people find you? Is it that they're they're already into acupuncture and they, you know, they look you up or a friend tells them or they just can't find anything else that helps them and, and a doctor recommends them to you? You know, how do people come through your doors? Most people that come in have not had acupuncture before, but were referred by a friend mm-hmm. who either, you know, saw me or saw someone else and, and thinks it would help them. And that's how I started, really friend of mine was having acupuncture and told me to try it. So it's usually that. Um, and then other other people are just Googling the internet and looking for relief for their insomnia or, or something else. And they start reading about acupuncture and then they, they look up somebody who's in their zip code or on their insurance plan. And it's, and, and every now and then, you know, I have some relationships with some doctors and they'll also recommend acupuncture for their patients. Yeah, I was going to get to that. What what has been your experience in terms of working with, you know, Western doctors with, you know, MDs or DOs locally? Has it been very positive? Has it been sort of very separate? How, how has that been for you? I would say it's mostly positive. I remember early on a few years ago, I was at a networking meeting for perineal professionals and there was a very kind fertility doctor there who I met and he was very open-minded and looking for ways to help his patients and would often, you know, recommend acupuncture to, to the, his patients who were struggling with getting pregnant or even just through, you know, through the process, the stress of the treatments. He was even open to, uh, to the herbs at times. I was so grateful for him, for his being open-minded and, and, and trusting me so that we could help uh, his patient even more. 
So there, you know, there are a lot of doctors who, you know, either feel frustrated about, you know, the extent to which they could help people or um, are always, you know, looking to, to expand their ability to help people. So I, I would say it's really, it's really most of, mostly positive. Yeah. I mean, just from the, from the doctor's side, I think that there is unfortunately too little uh, coordination and collaboration between us and acupuncturists, but I don't think it's because of people might think it's because of an attitude issue that, you know, maybe doctors, you know, turn their noses up at, you know, people are quote unquote alternative. I really don't think that's the case. I mean, in my experience, most doctors are very positive about acupuncture and their patients, you know, trying it and going. And I think that a lot of doctors, you know, would recommend it or go themselves even. I think that the issue is we don't get taught any of this in medical school. So my knowledge of acupuncture is going to be no different from anybody else on the street. And because we literally have nothing on this in medical school, which is, I guess it's a shame. I mean, because I think if if we were introduced to it, uh, I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be in depth such that we're providers of it, but just to understand the history of it a little bit, what it does, how it's used, who does it, what the training is. I mean, things like we're talking about here, I think that many more doctors would feel comfortable incorporating an acupuncturist, an herbalist into their you know, armamentarium of people who can help their patients and would be much more like it would be, it would just be part of the things that they feel comfortable recommending and working with. And I just think a lot of doctors don't know anything about it. So they sort of just throw their hands up and that's unfortunate. Yes, it makes sense. I mean, you have, I've had patients who are physicians themselves who, who more recently have said that they had one class maybe about integrative medicine. It's great, uh, but that's you know better than zero. Not acupuncture alone, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's it's not a lot, but but yes, I, I I look forward to a day where you know the training becomes more integrative, and I think I think we're 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 going that way. Yeah, I mean, I know a couple of doctors who got trained themselves in doing it, right? Uh, which I think is fantastic, and they clearly won't know as much as you do or be able to maybe use it as well as you can. But it's, again, just this idea of, of starting to blend a lot of these modalities together and really just finding what's the best thing for each individual person is really the goal. And this, this separating of all the training uh, has its benefits, but it definitely has its downsides as well. So if you could pitch what you do, you know, if you have listeners out there who should come and see you? Who should, you know, or, you know, one of your colleagues, who's, who's someone who should, you know, make an appointment right away, meet with one of you, get an evaluation, maybe start acupuncture or herbs, or maybe not. I mean, you could say everybody, but if, if so, if you had to focus on a certain group of people, who would you focus on? I would say primarily, especially, you know, considering the time we're living in, I would say any person who finds themselves struggling right now, excess anxiety, trouble sleeping, is not is not living life to their fullest and wants to be, should make an appointment because so much of our mood and our well-being and our and our vitality is related to the body. It's not all of it, but there is a big physical and um, physiological component to how we feel. And I, I you know, Considering the times we're in, I think all of us need more support now. And so I would first speak to 
to those people and say, if, you, if you're looking for more joy and you're looking for more calm and you're looking to achieve a big goal in life, then I would seek out acupuncture because it has a way of really harmonizing and regulating um, and supporting a whole person so they can live their best life. That's really my, my goal with every person. And after that, I guess I would really speak to the women out there and not because I have anything against men, but because I know the women better. <laughs> You're welcome to, but that's better. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have more experience with them, but the men should be going too. Absolutely. For the reasons I just said, but also the women who, who think that living with a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale of menstrual pain every month is normal. It's not normal. Women out there should know that PMS, severe PMS and menstrual pain is not something you have to live with and that there is in just two to three months of acupuncture treatment, a cycle can be regulated, menstrual pain can be eliminated, and um, that hormonal premenstrual time can be much easier. That's fantastic. So Miriam, how do people find you? They find me on my website, ConsciousHealthAndWellness.com. And that's the main way, really. That's where I am. Fantastic. Miriam Pinellas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed this. And I think that uh, what you do is great. And you're probably going to see me lying on that table soon enough. And, uh, and yeah, and I, and I hope that our listeners um, check it out. I think there's a lot of people are going to benefit from what you offer. Thank you so much. It's such a nice, you know, nice time to talk with you. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to educate people and share, share the gifts of Chinese medicine. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.